after Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. If you're here in the room... And good morning if you are joining us this morning on the stream. I think there's a lot of people joining us on the stream this morning because of the, uh, the challenges on the roads this morning. So uh, a warm, warm welcome to you all. And wasn't it just fabulous to see the kids? Didn't you enjoy that? I want to I close peg for my nose. Not, not for here. Not, not for right now. Uh, but, uh, but for later on. It's just wonderful to come and celebrate Christmas together. It's wonderful to be together, and uh, if you're visiting with us, I want to extend my warm welcome to you as well. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> that's okay. There you go. We are having a little technical challenge, but we'll have it sorted in just a moment. In his book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas... Dr. Dr. Zeus writes these words, Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? Well, of course, it's high season for the marketing world right now, isn't it? I don't know about you, but... My inbox is uh, just flooded with emails from all kinds of vendors. Uh, Our text messages, it's coming in from Instagram. Everyone wants to sell you the latest fashion, the latest gadget, the latest course that you can take, something that you might desire for Christmas. And if you go to a shopping mall right now, Literally no expense has been spared to work out how to sell you that thing you might want for Christmas. But what if the Grinch was right? What if in Christmas there is more than just what comes from the store? More mystery, more wonder, more meaning. Uh, Do you remember Calvin and Hobbes? Calvin says to Hobbes, this whole Santa Claus thing just doesn't make sense. Why all the secrecy? Why all the mystery? If the guy exists, why doesn't he ever show himself and prove it? And if he doesn't exist, what's the meaning of all this? And Hobbes replies, I don't know. Isn't this a religious holiday? And Calvin says, yeah, but actually, I've got the same questions about God. Now, you might be thinking exactly what Calvin is thinking. I've got the same question about God. If he's real, why all the secrecy? Why the mystery? Why doesn't he just show himself? Why doesn't he prove himself? You might be thinking... God seems untouchable, unknowable, unrelatable. How do I relate to somebody I can't touch, I can't see, I can't hear? Well, friends, that is exactly the point of Christmas. 
The point of Christmas is all about God making himself known to us. Behind Christmas is this question. If God is spirit, so he's not flesh and blood like you and me. If God is spirit, how on earth can we know him? Is there a a way for humans to interact with him? And if we could know him, what would he be like? What would he be like? Could we have a relationship with him? How would we expect him to be with us? Would we expect him to be angry or would we expect him to be loving? How do we understand God to be? Surely, because God is presumably not like us, we need God to reveal himself in some way to us so that we might understand him and ultimately have a relationship with him. Well, that is exactly what we're talking about this morning about Christmas. As we heard, if we read, 700 years before Jesus was born, B.C. 2700, the prophet Isaiah spoke of his coming. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For unto us a son is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Gospel writer Matthew makes it even more clear to us. He says, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. Literally, the point of Christmas is God saying, this is what I'm like. He's wrapping himself with human flesh, with humanity, and saying, you can know me. You can have a relationship with me. At Christmas time, God takes on human flesh. God is with us. And, and in that sense, Christmas is full of mystery. It's full of wonder. There's this amazing thing that we're we're encountering, that we're grappling with. God is knowable for the first time in a form like us. Now, the Christmas story itself is full of hints and clues as to what God is like. And these hints and clues will be developed throughout the life of Jesus as he lives here on earth, but they're present here in his birth. For example, the story that we just heard read by Jen and then acted out by the kids about the shepherds hearing about the birth of Jesus. Of course, they didn't have trucks then, and uh, they didn't visit Vancouver. They went to a little town called Bethlehem. And it's interesting, isn't it? To us who live in the modern marketing age, the the modern Western world, it's interesting that God tells a story about shepherds on a hill when the king of glory comes to earth. I wonder whether that's ever struck you as strange. The Bible tells us a Christmas story about angels coming to shepherds in the hills around Bethlehem. Now, shepherding 
was a lowly profession. If you were a shepherd, you were probably looking after somebody else's sheep. It wasn't a comfortable profession. You spent in the summer days in the blistering sun, in the winter freezing nights on the hills. Mostly it was poor folk who were, who were shepherds. And so Jesus sends angels to shepherds to announce his birth. It says this. The angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then the whole sky was filled with the angelic host singing, Glory to God in the highest, and peace, and on the earth, peace among those with whom God is pleased. I do wonder if it strikes you as puzzling. It struck me as puzzling the first time I read this. God comes to earth, and the only marketing he does is an announcement to shepherds on hills outside Bethlehem. He doesn't come to the city. He doesn't come to the ruling elite of Israel. He doesn't come to the power brokers. He doesn't come to the influencers. He doesn't even come to the religious leaders. He comes to shepherds in a field. It's frankly the most bizarre publicity campaign you could imagine. Why does God come to shepherds? Well, this is God revealing something of his heart to us. His nature is displayed in this. There's a clue in the verse that we just read. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. What's the significance of Jesus being born in the city of David? What's the significance of Bethlehem? Well, we zoom back a further 2,000 years, we're now uh, BC 4,000, 6,000 years before today, we find a young boy up in those same hills looking after sheep. And this young man's name is David. And David one day would become the king of Israel. But right now, in that moment, David was wandering those same hills looking after sheep. He was feeding them. He was taking them to water. He was guarding them. He tended them. He would have pulled them out of thorn bushes. He would have bound them up when they got wounded. He looked after them. At times, David even tells us that he put his life on the line for those sheep. When a bear or a mountain lion thought, uh, this looks like a tasty and easy to get dinner. So it was on those hills that David wrote one of his most famous songs. You may have heard this song. It's a Psalm 23. David, the shepherd, writes these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, as he tended the sheep in his care, had a revelation that just as he was tender with those sheep, just as he led them to food and to water, as he cared for them, as he protected them, that God was his shepherd. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you need rest this Christmas? Has 2022 been a busy year for you? David says, my shepherd leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Maybe you come today full of shame, with a sense that there's something wrong with me. David says, my shepherd leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, my shepherd changes my heart, changes me, brings me into something that's right in God. Maybe you're living with fear. Maybe there's a situation in your life or there's illness in your life that fills you with dread. David says, because of my shepherd, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, my shepherd, are with me. Maybe it seems like life has let you down. Maybe relationships have failed you. David says, because of my shepherd, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Do you fear the afterlife? Maybe you uh, wonder what will become of you when you die. David says, because of my shepherd, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. See, David sees that God tends him with the same tenderness that he tends the sheep in his care. He sees God as his shepherd. And later on, David would be crowned king over Israel. And when David was crowned king over Israel, he would begin to shepherd not sheep, but a whole nation of people. He would become the shepherd to Israel. In fact, he was affectionately known as the shepherd king. Now, when Jesus was born, the angels appeared on those same hills to shepherds like David. And they sang these words, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The same hills that David walked on and sang on and tended these sheep were filled, blazing with the glory of God in that moment as these shepherds stood in awe because there was announcement happening a shepherd king is being born. 
One like David and yet totally unlike David. So much more glorious. Just as the song of the angels was more glorious than the song of David. So this king would be utterly more glorious. A different order to David. Here on earth, through the shepherd king, through Emmanuel, God with us, we finally get to see what God is like. We encountered his personality. We saw how gentle and affectionate he is with us. We watched him embrace lepers and outcasts. We saw him stand up to those who manipulate and to those who use others. We experienced his hatred of injustice and we understood how sin grieves him. We saw God. We saw God. We touched him. We felt him. We experienced his healing hand. We held God. We, obviously, we didn't, but his disciples did. Humans, for the first time, had hands-on experience of God. We felt his warm embrace. We, ter- we, ha- we, we heard him teach us a new way to pray to God as Father, a new way to relate to God. And we saw in him a new way to live through faith in God. Jesus showed us God. And you know, the truth is that after all of that, after all of that, we rejected him. We challenged his authority in our lives. We said, no, we will not have you rule over us. And we crucified him. And so the shepherd king became the sacrificial lamb. Emmanuel, God with us, the sacrificial lamb. The shepherds were told, you'll find him in a manger, swaddled with cloths. The manger is no place for a shepherd, is it? Let alone for a king. You see, friends, We cannot grasp the power of what God has done for us without grasping these metaphors. The shepherd king is also our sacrificial lamb. What does that mean? Why in a story of angels and babies and shepherds and kings do we we suddenly talk about a sacrificial lamb? Because we cannot engage with the the shepherd king until we have understood our need for a sacrificial lamb. We cannot see him and experience him and relate with him without understanding our need of a sacrificial lamb. For us to enter into a relationship with God, with the shepherd king, we need to understand what prevents our relationship with him. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote these words. He said, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Longfellow's right. All around us we see the darkness of a world caught up in hatred and greed, and our lives, our own lives, are marked with brokenness and pain. The truth is, of the matter is that this darkness that we see out there 
proceeds from our own hearts. We want God to be a gentle shepherd to us. We want to relate with him. We want his love and care. We want his nurturing. But there's also a part of us that cries out for justice. We want him to be just. We want him to put things right that are wrong. Our own hearts cry out against those who have wounded and abused us. We want God to be angry against hatred and violence and abuse because we want him to be just. We want him to be a just God. But in order for God to be truly just, he must also judge us. He must. For justice cannot be one-sided or it is not justice. Therefore, he must judge us. And the idea of God looking at you and looking at me through utterly just eyes is a terrifying prospect. It's a frightening thought. Because as I said, within us is darkness. The darkness comes out of us, but it's from within. And if God does not punish all that is wrong, he is not just. He is not God. So, if he punishes us, he will never be able to have a relationship with us. For the punishment for sin is death. So God finds himself in a conundrum. How do I bring justice How do I punish that which is wrong and also have a relationship with you that is good and and, and speaks of my love and my care and my delight and my enjoyment? The way that God answers this conundrum is by bruising himself, by punishing himself on our behalf. Jesus is not only the good shepherd, he is also the sacrificial lamb. Jesus in all of his purity, does not run away from our darkness, but gravitates towards us who are deeply flawed sinners, and his heart of compassion drives him towards broken, dirty, shameful people. He comes to heal. He comes to purify, and he comes to hold us. Hallelujah. If you want a relationship with God, if you want him to be your shepherd, he must also be your sacrificial lamb. God wants to drive our darkness away. And so Isaiah tells us that with the birth of the sun, light has shone in darkness. The light, when it's, you know what it's like when you turn on the light in a room and the darkness goes. You, you walk into a room in one moment and it's dark. You flick a switch, light comes in and the darkness is dispelled. When the sun shines in your heart, darkness is expelled. For every person who puts their faith in Jesus, this becomes true, that Jesus begins to shine in your heart and he begins to deal with your darkness. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, 
has offered himself up in our place to be punished in order that justice might be done and in order that God might love us and that we might know him. Hallelujah. God gave himself over to death and even death on a cross. Brothers and sisters, even though Jesus was crucified and buried, death could not hold him. Because Emmanuel was not merely human like us. He was not sinful like us. He was innocent. He was holy. He was God himself. And death could not hold him. He burst from the grave and brought hope to every human being who would ever walk this planet. He would offer us an invitation. I will be your shepherd king. If you will come into my fold, if you will come in to my sheep pen, I will be your shepherd king. This shepherd king that we encounter has known pain. He's known suffering like we know it. He has been tempted like we have been tempted. And yet he has conquered in every situation that he has been put in. And so now today, he offers us an invitation. Lay your life down for me as I have laid my life down for you. That's the invitation. And when you do that, I will come in and I will be your shepherd king. You know, the the experience of sheep with a shepherd is not a distance one. It's not a philosophical relationship. It's not like I know you from afar. I've heard about you. No, the the experience of a sheep with a shepherd is day by day walking through pastures, coming to eat, coming to be watered, finding the shepherd. In in South Africa, we have a lot of ticks. In, in, In Israel, that would have been the case. The shepherd would often pull those ticks off the sheep. The experience of a sheep with a shepherd is a close relationship. And this is what Jesus offers to you and to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Jesus Christ wants to come near to you and me because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Not some disconnected, distant being, but a shepherd king. One who draws near, one who lives close. Let me ask you this. Unto us a child is born. Here's the question for you today. Will you make room in your life for this child? Think about having a baby. Having a baby changes things, doesn't it? I don't know whether you've ever heard a young couple, they're pregnant, and they say, when this baby comes, it's not going to change anything. We're just going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to just do life as, as, as always. Sure you will. Sure you will. And then after a number of months, they begin to say something different. They say these words. 
Having a baby changes everything. Having a baby changes everything. As if the whole world didn't already know that. Having a baby changes everything. And this baby changes everything far more than any other baby before it. Imagine for a moment having a king and queen come to stay in your house. What would you do? How would you clean the house? How would you prepare for them coming? What would you do? Where would you sleep? We had friends come to stay with us just recently and, and we moved out of our bedroom and we had them stay in our bedroom. We made space for our friends to come and stay with us. Jesus is not just a shepherd, he's also the king. And when he walks into our lives, he doesn't just walk into our lives to serve us, though he does that. He also walks into our lives to reorientate things, to be our king. Let me ask you this question. Are you prepared to make space for him? I remember when Sarah and I got married, it changed everything. Changed everything. Suddenly, she took a whole load of space in my life. Yesterday, Dan and Val celebrated 39 years of marriage. Amazing. I guess it changed life when she came into your life. Kingsley and Iffy. I guess it changed things when he came into your life. You have to make space in your life for a relationship. How much more do we need to make space in our lives when the King of Kings walks into it? So here's the invitation. Will you step into God's purposes for your life and make room for him? He wants to come and be your shepherd king. I wonder if I could ask the band to come back up. What will you do with this invitation? Why don't we stand together? Marriage has given us that we might understand God's heart for his people. You know, Jesus left his father on Christmas Day. And he left his mother when he was crucified in order that he might be joined to his bride in marriage, his people. That's how God views you and me. He wants to bring us into that kind of relationship. It may be that for you, I, do you know what? I recommend you think deeply on this. I really do. It may be that um, reading a book like C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity would be a great place for you to start. But it may also be that for you today, you are ready to answer that invitation. You would say today, I want to say yes to God. I want to create space in my life for God. I, I actually, I have not been living for God at all. I've not been living with any sense of a shepherd who leads me and takes me where he wants me to go. I want to give you an invitation this morning that you might make a decision today to say to God, I want you to be my shepherd king 
and I will go where you lead me. I want you to be my sacrificial lamb and I will receive what you have done for me. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And if you want to pray with me, the prayer I'm going to pray is a prayer of commitment to Jesus. If you want to pray this with me, please feel free to go ahead. And if you pray this for the first time, or or this feels like a significant moment for you in praying this prayer, I'd love to chat with you at the end of the meeting. Let's just bow our heads. And just pray with me. Shepherd King. Jesus. Emmanuel. I want to come with you. I want to make space in my life for you. I want you to lead me. I need the food that you give and the water that you bring me to. I want you to shape my life, my relationships. I want to be near you as you've promised to be near me. I thank you for what you've done for me. That you're the sacrificial lamb. The just one. Who chooses me even in my brokenness. And who drives out the darkness. Would you be Emmanuel? God with me. Would you come into my life and lead me into all that you have for me. In your name I pray this, Lord Jesus. Amen. Why don't you take the candle that you were given, just light it. We're going to sing the song Silent Night together. As we sing it, just consider what it is that we've just prayed together.